What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Tronte had never asked. 
He was the chosen one from a race that lived almost indefinitely, and his job was to pass along the calibrated and measured dollops of melancholy as prescribed by the ethos. It involved no feeling and no concern, only attention to duty. It was his position, and it was his obligation. How peculiar it was that he felt concern after all this time. It had begun so long before, and of time he had no conception, that the only marking date with validity was that in the great ocean soon to become the Gobi Desert, Paramecia had become more prevalent than the Amoebae. It had grown in him through the centimetered centuries as layers and layers of forever settled down like mist to form the strata of the past. Now, it was now. Despite the strange ache in his nerve gland, his central nerve gland, despite the progressive dulling of his eye globes, despite the mad thoughts that spat and studied through his triple dome cerebrum, thoughts of which he knew he was incapable, Trante performed his now functions as he was required. He dispensed unbearable anguish to the residents of a third power planet in the snail cluster. Supportable agony to a farm colony that had sprung up on Jacopetti U. Incredible suffering to a parentless spider child on Heidegg 9. And relentless torment to a blameless race of mute aborigines on a nameless, arid planet circling the dying sun of the 707 system. And through it all, Tronte suffered for his charges. What could not be was. What could not come to pass had the soulless, emotionless, regimented creature that the ethos had named Pain God had contracted a sickness, concern. At last, after centuries too filed away to unearth and codify, Tronte had reached a now in which he could no longer support his acts. He cared. The physical manifestations of his mental upheaval were numerous. His oblong head throbbed and his eye globes were dulling a little more each decade. The interlinked duodenal ulcers so necessary to his endocrinal system's normal function had begun to misfire like faulty plugs in an old car. The thwack of his salamander tail had grown weaker, indicating his motor responses to nerve endings were feebler. Trante, who had always been considered rather a handsome example of his race, had slowly come to look forlorn, weary, even a touch pathetic. And he sent down woe to an armored flying creature with a mite-sized brain on a dark planet at the edge of the coal sack. He dispatched fear and trembling to a smoke-like race that was the only visible remains of a great race that had learned to dispense with its body centuries before in the sun known as Vertel. He conscientiously winged terror and unhappiness and misery and sadness to a group of murdering pirates, a creek of shrewd politicians, and a brothel full of unregenerate whores, all in the fifth power planet of the White Horse constellation. Stopped alone there in the night of space, his mind spiraling now for the first time down a strange and disquieting chamber of thought, Trante twisted within himself. I was selected because I lacked the certain difficulties I now manifest. What is this torment? 
What is this unpleasant, unhappy, unrelenting feeling that gnaws at me, tears at me, corrupts my thoughts, colors darkly my every desire? Am I going mad? Madness is beyond my race. It is a something we have never known. Have I been at this post too long? Have I failed in my duties? If there was a God stronger than the God that I am, or a God stronger than the ethos gods, then I would appeal to that God. But there is only silence and the nights and the stars, and I'm alone, so alone, so God all alone here doing what I must, doing my best. And then finally, I must know, I must know, while he spun the fiber of melancholy down to a double thorax insect creature on the O, speared with dread a blob of barely sentient mud on Akaris three, pain goaded into suicide an electrical wave being capable of producing exquisite fifteen-toned harmonics on Sindon Beta five, reduced by half the pleasures of a pitiable slug thing in the methane caves of Kirkhall four. Enshrouded in bitterness and misery, a man named Colin Marshak on an insignificant planet called Sol 3, Earth, Terra, the world. And then, finally, I will know. I will know. Trante removed the scaled model of Earth from the display crate and stared at it. Such a tiny thing, such a helpless thing to support the night walk of a pain god. He selected the most recent recipient of his attentions, through no more involved method than that, and used the means of travel his race had long since perfected to leave his encased cubicle hanging translucent against the stars. Trante, pain god of the universes, for the first time in all the centuries he had lived that life of giving, never receiving, left his place and left his now and went to find out. To find out what he had no way of knowing. For the pain god, it was the first night walk. Peter Kozlik had been born in the dwarf province of a minuscule central European country, long since swallowed up by a tiny power, now a member of the common market. He had left Europe early in the 1920s, had shipped aboard a freighter to Bolivia, and after working his way as common deckhand and laborer through half a dozen banana republics, had been washed up on an inland shore of the United States in 1934. He had promptly gone to earth, gone to seed, gone to fat. A short stint in the CCC camp, a shorter stint as a bouncer in the Kansas City Speak, a term in the Illinois State Workhouse, a long run on the Pontiac assembly line, making an obscure part for an obscure segment of B-17's innards. A brief fling as owner of a raspberry farm, and an extended period as a skid row frequenting wino summed up his life. Now, as now would be reckoned by any sane man's ephemeris, Peter Koslick was a wet brain. An alcoholic so sunk in the fumes and vapors of his own liquor need that he was barely recognizable as a human being. Lying suddenly but quietly in an alley two blocks up from the Greyhound bus station in downtown Los Angeles, Peter Koslick, age 59, weight 210, hair filth gray, eyes red and moist and closed, 
unceremoniously died. That simply, that unconcernedly, that uneventfully for all the young old men in overlong GI surplus overcoats who passed by that alley mouth unseeing, uncaring. Peter Koslick died. His brain gave out. His lungs ceased to bellow. His heart refused to pump. His blood slid to a halt in his veins and breath no longer passed his lips. He died. End of story. Beginning of story. As he lay there, half-propped against the brick wall with its shredded reminder of a lightweight boxing match between two stumble bums long since passed into obscurity in the files of Ring magazine, a tepid, thin vapor of pale green came to the useless body of Peter Koslick, touched it, felt of it, entered it. Tronte was on the planet Earth, Saul three. If it had been possible to mount an epitaph on bronze with a wet brain there on the wall of the alley, perhaps the most fitting would have been. Here lay Peter Koslick. Nothing in his life became him so much as the leaving of it. Colin Marshak, walking the streets, did not even realize the roomy-eyed old man was following him. Then he turned, and the old man almost ran into him. Uh, something I can do for you? Colin Marshak asked. The old man grinned feebly, his pale gums exposing themselves above gap-toothed ruin. Uh, no, sir, no, no, sir. I just, uh, I was just following along to see maybe I could tap you for a couple cents to get some chicken noodle soup. It's kind of cold, and I thought maybe... Uh, Colin Marshak's wide, somehow humorous face settled into understanding lines. You're right, old man. It's cold, and it's windy, and it's miserable, and I think you're entitled to some goddamn chicken noodle soup. God knows someone's entitled. He paused a beat and added, Maybe me. He took the old man by the arm, seemingly unaware of the rancid, rotting condition of the cloth. They walked along the street outside the park and turned into one of the many side routes littered with one-armed beaneries and 40 cents a night flop houses. And possibly a hot roast beef sandwich with gravy all over the french fries, Colin added, stirring the wine-smelling old derelict into a restaurant. Over coffee in a bear claw, Colin Marshak stared at the old man. Hey, uh, uh, what's your name? Peter Koslick, the old man murmured hot vapors from the thick white coffee mug rising up before his watery eyes. I, uh, I've been, you know, kind of sick. Uh, too much sauce, old man, said Colin Marshak. Too much sauce does it for a lot of us. My father and mother both. Nice folk loved each other. They went to the old Elkie's home hand in hand. It was touching. You're kind of feeling sorry for yourself, ain't you? Said Peter Koslick and looked down at his coffee hurriedly. Colin stared across angrily. Had he sunk that low, that quickly, that even the seediest cockroach-ridden bum in the gutter could snap at him, talk up to him, see his sad and sorry state? He tried to lift his coffee cup, and the cream-laced liquid sloshed over the rim over his wrist. He yipped and set the cup down quickly. Your hands shake worse than mine do, mister, Peter Koslick noted. 
was a curious tone somehow devoid of feeling or concern, more a statement of observation. Yeah, yeah, my hands shake, Mr. Koslick, sir. They shake because I make my living cutting things out of stone, and for the past two years I've been unable to get anything from stone but tidy piles of rock dust. Koslick spoke around a mouthful of crawler. You, uh, you're one of them, uh, statue makers? What I mean, uh, like a sculptor? That is precisely what I am, Mr. Koslick, sir. I'm a capture of exquisite beauty in rock and plaster and quartz and marble. Uh, the only trouble is I'm no damned good, and I was never, ever really very good, but at least I made a decent living selling the piece here and there and conning myself into thinking I was great and building a career. And Canada and the Times said a few nice things about me once, but even that's turned to rust now. I can't make a chisel do what I want it to do. I can't sand and I can't chip and I can't carve dirty words on sidewalks if I try. Peter Koslick stared across at Colin Marshak. And there was a banked fire down in those roomy, sad old eyes. He watched and looked and saw the hands shaking uncontrollably. Saw them ring one against another like mad things. And even when interlocked, they still trembled hideously. And Tronte locked within an alien shell, comprehended a small something. This creature of puny carbon atoms and other substances that could not exist for an instant in the rigorous arena of space was dying. Inside, it was ending its life cycle because of the misery Tronte had sent down. Tronte had been responsible for the quivering pain that sent Colin Marshak's hand into spasms. It had been done two years before, by Colin Marshak's time, but only a few moments earlier as Tronte knew it. And now it had changed this creature's life totally. Tronte watched the strange human being, a product of little introverted needs and desires. And he knew he must go further, must experiment further with his problem. The green and transparent vapor that was Tronte seeped out of the eyes of Peter Koslick and slid carefully inside Colin Marshak. It left itself wide open, flung itself wide open to what tremors governed the man. And Tronte felt the full impact of the pain he so lightly dispensed to all the living things in the universes. It was a potent, hot awe. And it was a further knowing, a greater knowledge, a simple act that the sickness had compelled him to undertake. By the fear and the memory of all the fears that had gone before, Tronte knew, and knowing had to go further. For he was pain god, not a trenchant tourist in the country of pain. He drew forth the mind of Marshak, of that weak and trembling Colin Marshak, and fled with it. Out, out there, further, much further until time came to a slithering halt and space was no longer of any consequence. And he whirled Colin Marshak through the universes, through the infinite allness of the space and time and motion and meaning that was the crevice into which life had sunk itself. He saw the blobs of mud and the whirling winged things and the tall humanoids and the cleat-treaded half-man, half-machines that ruled one in another sector of open space. He showed it all to Colin Marshak, drenched him in wonder. 
filled him like the most vital goblet the ethos had ever created, poured him full of love and life and the staggering beauty of the cosmos. And having done that, he whirled the soul and spirit of Colin Marshak down, down, and down to the fibrous shell that was his body and poured that soul back inside. Then he walked the shell to the home of Colin Marshak and turned it loose. When the sculptor awoke, lying face down amidst the marble chips and powder-fine dust of the statue, he saw the base first, and not having recalled even buying a chunk of stone that large, raised himself on his hands and his knees and his haunches and sat there. His eyes went up toward the summit and seemed to go on forever. And when he finally saw what it was, he had created this thing of such incredible loveliness and meaning and wisdom... He began to sob, softly, never very loud, but deeply as though each whimper was drawn from the very core of him. He had done it this once, but as he saw his hands still trembling, still murmuring to themselves in spasms, he knew it was the one time he would ever do it. There was no memory of how, or why, or even of when, but it was his work, of that he was certain. The pain in his wrists told him it was. The moment of truth stood high above him, resplendent in marble, but there would be no other moments. This was Colin Marshak's life in its totality, now. The sound of sobbing was only broken periodically as he began to drink. Ethos waited. Conte had known they would be. It was inevitable. Foolish for him to conceive of a situation of which they would not have an awareness. Away from your post. Away. I had to know. It has been growing in me, a live thing in me. I had to know. It was the only way. I went to a planet and lived within what they call men and new. I think I understand now. No. What is it you know? I know that pain is the most important thing in the universes. Greater than survival. Greater than love. Greater even than the beauty it brings about. For without pain, there can be no pleasure. Without sadness, there can be no happiness. Without misery, there can be no beauty. And without these, life is endless, hopeless, doomed, and damned. Adult, you have become adult. I know. This is what became of the other pain gods before me. They grew into concern, into knowing, and then... Lost. They were lost to us. They could not take the step. They could not go to one of the ones to whom they had sent pain and learn. So they were no use as pain god, I understand. Now I know. 
and I am returned. Do. What will you do? I will send more pain than ever before. More and greater. More? You will send more? Much more. Because now I understand. It's a gray and lonely place in which we live. All of us swinging between desperation and emptiness. And all that makes it worthwhile is caring, is beauty. But if there were no opposite for beauty or for pleasure, it would all turn to dust. Being. Now you know who you are. I am most blessed of the ethos and most humble. You have given me the highest, kindest position in the universes. For I am the God to all men. And to all creatures, small and large, whether they call me by name or not, I am pain God. And it is my life, however long it stretches, to treat them to the finest they may ever know. To give them pain that they may know pleasure. Thank you. And the ethos went away, secure that... At last, after all the eons of pain gods who had broken under the strain, who had lacked the courage to take that night walk, they had found one who would last truly forever. Tronte had come of age. While back in the cubicle, hanging star bright and translucent in space high above it all, yet very much part of it all, the creature who would never die... The creature who had lived within the rotting body of Pieter Koslick and for a few fleet moments in the soul and talent of Colin Marshak, that creature called Pain God learned one more thing as he stared at the tiny model of the planet Earth he had known. Tronte knew the feel of a tear formed in a duct and turned free from an eye globe and cooled on his face. Tronte knew happiness. Pyramid book titled Pain God and Other Delusions 
by Harlan Ellison. I am Michael Hansen. Technical operation for this program by Phil Corvall. Mind Webs is a production of WHA Radio in Madison, a service of University of Wisconsin Extension. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.